You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. And I'm Rachel. It is time, ladies, to gather around the kitchen table for a kitchen table talk. And this time, we're, we have an international table today. This is very yes. exciting. Once again, we have a pastor joining us virtually. Very exciting. Dr. John Kleining joining us today for a discussion on prayer. And ladies, you may know the name from our book club, a lovely book, wonderfully made. We did that book club a while ago. It was like a year and a half ago or so. It may have been. It was even almost two years. Great book club. We will try to remember to link that in the show notes. The Reverend Dr. John Kleinig is Professor Emeritus at Luther College in Adelaide, South Australia, and the author of Grace Upon Grace, Wonderfully Made, and the volume on prayer in the Lutheran Spirituality Series, which is why we asked him to come join us at the kitchen table to talk about prayer today. So Dr. Kleinig, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. And I'm not around the kitchen table, but in fact, I'm around our dining room table. You can't see that, but this is our dining room and it's good to be with you. And it's even better to be able to talk with you on the topic of prayer, something that's very dear to my heart. Yes. And this is fantastic. This is why we asked you to join us today to talk about this. And before we even get down any rabbit trails Let's define some terms and talk about what prayer actually is. So what is prayer? Yeah, it's on the one hand, it's easy. On the other hand, it's hard. (laughs) It's easy because everybody prays, even pagan people, even unbelievers pray. I read recently of one of our leading pop singer composers, a woman who has a group and before every session, they have a time of prayer, in inverted commas, in which they address and ask for the guidance of the universe in their interaction with each other. So pagan people pray. Everybody knows what prayer is, okay, or they say they do. But on the other hand, there's only really one person who knows what prayer is in the true sense. And that's Jesus. He is the only person who can really tell us what prayer is at at its deepest level. And I want to touch on something which will be a little bit heavy because they have to do with that and spiritual mystery. But on one hand, on the surface, you can say prayer is talking to God, whichever God you have. Luther says this large catechism that your God is whatever you turn to for help in times of trouble. Whatever you trust in, whatever you turn to in times of trouble. So it's a fallback. So as people say, in the trenches, everybody prays. Or when they're in real trouble, they pray, even if they don't know who they address and how and why they're doing it. Okay, so it's easy and it's hard on on the easy side, you can say it's conversation with God, but that gets wrong. And it's conversation with God about something that you want or that you need. But the problem with that is that it puts me at the center of things. And I determine what praise I define that. But that gets us into a lot of dead ends and it's not really very helpful when it comes to 
the understanding of prayer in the Bible and as far as we as Christians are concerned. Uh, so, look, I'd like to start off uh, from, from a number of tangents and then hone in on that. But I want to focus on Jesus rather than on us. First of all, there's a hymn, which I love, which I'm, was in your old uh, TLH, but is not in the Lutheran service book anymore. our love language. We do love hymns. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, it's, it's by a guy called Montgomery, and this is the way it goes. It defines prayer. Notice how the first five verses, prayer is, prayer is, prayer is. So it goes like this. Prayer is the soul's sincere desire, unuttered or expressed. The motion of a hidden father trembles in the breast. Prayer is the burden of a sigh, the falling of a tear. The upward glancing of an eye when none but God is near. Prayer is the simplest form of speech that infant lips can try. Prayer the sublimest strains that reach the majesty on high. Prayer is the contrite sinner's voice returning from his ways while angels in their songs rejoice and cry, Behold, he prays. Prayer is the Christian's vital breath. The Christian's native air is watchword at the gates of death. He enters heaven with prayer. The saints in prayer appear as one in word and deed and mind. While with the Father and the Son sweet fellowship they find. Look, prayer is made by man alone. The Holy Spirit pleads, and Jesus on the eternal road for sinners intercedes. O thou by whom we come to God, the life, the truth, the way, the path of prayer, thyself hast trod. Lord, teach us how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. We need to start with Jesus. And we just not understand with what he says about prayer. And not theoretically. The problem is you can theorize about prayer. Mm. But that's no use to anybody. We need to learn the, most, the hardest thing of all for us fallen human beings, which is how to pray. And the disciples knew all about that. They, they had noticed that Jesus was a man of prayer. We, that's something that's often overlooked. Say, for example, if you have the one three-year lectionary last Sunday, you had the story of Jesus coming from the synagogue, going to Peter's house. Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Jesus heals her. And then you get a crowd of people pressing in, wanting Jesus to heal them. He heals them. But then at the point where we expect him to start preaching to the crowd, he dismisses them. And he goes and he spends a night in prayer. He spends in prayer. He goes and prays. I challenge you all to, 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 to keep your eyes open. As you hear the gospel stories, how often this happens. Jesus prays. And 
The hymn that I read to you comes from and is inspired by one occasion, which Luke records in chapter 11. But just before we get there, can I just uh, do a little side riff? Okay. Two pictures that I like about prayer. One is one of the commonest names in the early church was the name Gregory. Now, why was that so popular? I Gregory have always in- wondered about that. You did? Well, you're I a- did. Every time I hear about one of the Gregories from church history, I think that's a lot of Gregories. And why What's Gregory? A- that's not a Bible name. No, but it is, and yet it is in its content, because Uh Gregory means a person who is awake, a wakeful person. And the picture is of a sleeping person, or if you like, a sleepwalker, and a person who is, to use a modern term, woke, who has been awakened. (laughs) Wake. Now, uh, awakened person, Jesus says at the Garden of Gethsemane, watch and pray. pray. Mm-hmm. Picture is gone. It sounds like being on guard, but means staying awake. Stay mm-hmm. awake mm-hmm. and pray. Now, you could follow that picture through in many different directions, and it's very, very rich. So uh, a praying person is a person who is awake. And think of all the things that you can do when you are awake and what happens when you're asleep. Both cases, you are alive, but yet when you're asleep, what's missing? Either you aren't aware of the world around you and you can't engage in it, and particularly you can't hear properly and speak properly. You can't employ your senses. So to be awake in prayer. And that's taken particularly in one direction in a number of passages in the New Testament, where Paul talks about being watchful in prayer, which means in thanksgiving. What are we not awake to? We're not awake to God's activity. If you're like, when you're asleep, you're, you're closed in on yourself, shut up in your own pathology. And you, it's the time nightmares and anxieties and so on. So to be spiritually awake rather than spiritually asleep is not just to be a- awake, but to be awake and to be awake with thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving alerts us to the good things that God is doing and giving in our lives. So that's the starting point, if you like, with prayer is God at work around us. God giving us gifts, offering us gifts, but we being unable to or not receiving those gifts, and because we don't receive those gifts, we're asleep. What do we see? Experience, we only see the bad things or a mixture of bad and good, but we don't see the grace of God, the generosity of God, 
the goodness of God. Okay, so prayer has to do with being spiritually awake. And secondly, another little riff before I get back to that passage in Luke, prayer is exercising faith. Has to do with faith. Now, faith always is, it doesn't have to do with yourself, your own self-confidence, but it has to do with trusting, relying on something outside yourself. And in this case, the faith is in Jesus. There's lots of stories about prayer which are labeled as prayer because just labeling it very often misleads people. I don't know whether you've ever noticed what happens in the gospel stories, but again and again, people come to Jesus and they pray to him. They ask him for help. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Have you noticed that? How, you know, almost every second story. Yeah. That's <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's about people coming to Jesus and asking him for help, praying to him. And what does Jesus say? When he gives them what they ask for, heals them, or provides something for them, he says, your faith mm-hmm. has made you well. Your faith has saved you. Yeah. And then in a few instances, he says to certain people, great is your faith, or not in Israel have I seen faith like this. Now, what's interesting there is that it's those occasions when he commends for extraordinary faith is when people come to him, not for help for themselves, but help for other people, hmm. right? Think yes. of this, yeah, right? And that's great faith. That's astonishing faith. Faith which is used not just to receive something good from Jesus, but to ask for something good so that somebody else can receive something good from Jesus. So one thing Lutherans emphasize is faith faith is not a means of grace. That's true. But it uses, exercises faith in the means of grace, particularly in the Word of God. So it has to do with faith and faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus, not in ourselves, not in human possibilities, but in him. So that's, we need to put our focus there if we're going to make sense of faith. How does Jesus teach faith to these people who come to him? Just think of it. They're in trouble. They're at the end of their tether. They don't know where to turn. But what's happened? They've heard about Jesus, sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly. And that message about Jesus awakens faith in them, faith that comes, enables them to come to Jesus and to seek help from him. That's simple. That's simply lovely, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. Now, okay. It's beautiful. Okay. So prayer has to do with the exercise of faith and not just general faith, but faith in Jesus. 
all people, as I said, pray. But the problem is, is not the problem that they don't have faith, but they put their faith in the wrong things. Take that Australian singer and her group. They put their faith in the universe. Very fashionable at the moment. Okay. <laughs> it's misplaced because the universe is, can't help them. The universe is part of the problem. Is not the solution to the problem. Okay, now, just before I go back to what Jesus says to his disciples and how Jesus teaches them what prayer is, not theoretically, but quite practically, there's anywhere that you want to, to, to questions you want to make or remarks on that? Oh, certainly. I, I think it's really wonderful that you're able to sort of highlight these two, I picked out two main components, this being awake to God's goodness, sort of always incorporating thanksgiving and praise yes. into our prayers, and also, as you say, exercising our faith in Jesus yes. and trusting him to be able to handle whatever problems are facing us. Yes. But I guess my question is, what does that look like on a practical level? And I have a feeling you're going to yeah. go exactly with <laughs> where I think you're going to go, but I want to hear how okay. do we and, and do the this? Rest, the rest of this discussion is going to be unpacking that. Ah, yes. Good. All right. <laughs> and look, mm -hmm. it's so big that we could spend hours yeah. on it. I don't know whether you realize and people realize just how much the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament speaks about prayer. I can't think of any other topic that is covered, I mean, a practical topic that's covered so extensively. And it doesn't repeat itself. It does it from many different angles because there's something mysterious going on there. So if take, for example, one part of the Old Testament that's dear to me is the Book of Psalms. What's the Book of Psalms? It's the prayer book of the Old Testament. Yeah. And it doesn't tell us about the theology of prayer or the theory of prayer or even the practice of prayer saying, oh, this is what you've got to do and this is how you do it. No, it gives us prayers. <laughs> gives us prayers to pray. And Jesus does something similar to that. And we can see now how it goes in Luke chapter 11. And I'd like to unpack that because this has helped me personally more than any other part of teaching of Jesus and in the New Testament. And it's so pra practical, it's so simple, and yet it's so profound. Okay. The account goes like this. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples came and said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Okay, that's the starting point for all of us. We all know we should pray. What's the problem? How we do don't do pray. How? Yeah. <laughs> but we'd like to pray, but you know for yourselves that if you set yourself, you know, say, okay, I'm going to turn off over a new leaf and I'm going to be a person of prayer. What happens? Mm. The kitchen sink and everything else is thrown at you to prevent you from praying. 
to sabotage. I think there's something there that seems to want to stop you praying at all costs. And even if you do make it into prayer mode, even while you're praying, your lips are saying the words and your brain is going through all the things you have to do today. It's so hard. It's oh, every day. It says, focus, Sarah, focus, pay attention. (laughs) Yeah, I once had was worried about that when I was going on a praying binge as a seminary student, and that got worse and worse, and it was happened all the time. And so I plucked up courage to confront a formidable man, Dr. Zasa. I won't say why it's familiar, but a very wise old man <laughs> and unexpected. And I still remember it was after a lecture. He was had a great pile of books. He was walking towards the library. And I sidled up to him and said, Dr. Salsa, I've got a problem. And he s- stopped walking, confronted me, faced me. I said, I've got a problem, Dr. Salsa. He looked and said, good, Kleinig. What's your problem? It's the first time <laughs> I've ever said problems were good. Uh, ah. it, it shook me a bit. And I said, look, Dr. Sasser, whenever I'm trying to pray, whenever I'm listening to a sermon, not just a bad sermon, but a good sermon, the better the sermon, the worse it is. <laughs> I get distracted by the devil. He lifted his finger, paused a moment, and he said, who says it is the devil? Perhaps mm-hmm. it is the Holy Spirit. What? Oh, unexpected. Yes, that's what he said. And <laughs> that's one of the best bits of advice I've ever received about. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'll, 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 I won't go unpack that. I'm teasing you on that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, but I'll give you a little side riff again. And back to the uh, desert fathers in the early church. One guy, Agathon, was once asked, what's the hardest thing that a Christian ever does? And he says, pray. He says, there's nothing harder than the call to pray. Why? Because every time a righteous person, a Christian, a justified person, tries to pray, the devil attacks him. Hmm. Because as soon as you start praying, you are moving from human power to divine power, divine help. And the devil wants you to rely on yourself, your own resources, rather than resources of God and the Holy Spirit. And he'll do everything in his power to sabotage you. Mm-hmm. So prayer is, has to do with what we would call spiritual warfare. It's a battle. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't daunt you. As uh, I learned from Dr. Zasa, it's a good battle. Mm-hmm. It's a good battle, provided we start in the right place and focus on who? Jesus, Jesus. rather than us. I will say there are times when I am facing this problem of massive distraction in my prayers, where if I pause the prayer and say, just turn my prayers to asking God to help me with the distractions, yes. that the volume on the distractions goes way down. <laughs> yes, why? Mm-hmm. 
because what you're doing is taking the distractions as a prompting to prayer. Mm. The devil won't let that happen. He can't. Mm. What? Yes. And the distractions, in fact, are promptings to pray. And because the things that distract us are the things in some way that we need to pray about or are promptings to pray. Mm. Okay. Now, let's go back and I'll read that account in yes, the light please. of what I said. Now, Jesus is praying. The disciples realize that, like you, Rachel, they're not much good at prayer. No, nope, not good. Uh, and like me, I'm even worse than you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we want to oh. be competitive here. <laughs> oh, oh, it's dancers one and all. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and there's only one expert in prayer, and that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so this disciple saw Jesus praying, asked the right question. You know, oh, yeah, just pause here. What's funny about Jesus praying? Just think. He's the son of God. He's divine. Does he need to pray? One would think that that connection would be constantly in play. That would be constantly in play, and it wouldn't be necessary for him to set aside a time of prayer. Yes. Right, John? He doesn't need it for himself, but he needs it for others. He needs it for his disciples. So part of his ministry for people the hidden side of his ministry is his praying. So he doesn't just save the world by preaching and dying on the cross, but involved in that is his pray. And according to the gospel, the praying begins. We hear about it, first of all, in Luke's gospel, at his baptism. It's as Jesus is praying, then I don't know if you've ever noticed in Luke's gospel, then the Holy Spirit comes on him, and the Father says, You are my beloved Son, with you I'm well pleased. But the Holy Spirit comes on him as he prays, on him as a man who's just been baptized. And hmm. it's not for his benefit, but for the benefit of the people that he served. But now, one of the very, very important teachings of the New Testament is that Jesus is our intercessor. Yes. Right, He not only is our saviour and our mediator between us and God the Father, but what does he do now, day and night, in his Father's presence? He intercedes for us. He intercedes for us. So you have the, it's summarised very, very simply in Hebrews chapter 7, talks about Jesus being our great high priest, mm-hmm. seven. And then I won't go through the whole argument, but the culminating the conclusion of that in, is in verse chapter 7, verse 25. Consequently, because he's a great high priest before God in heaven, God the Father in heaven, he's able to save to the utmost or completely those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So what's Jesus doing for us and the world now? There's much, but the heart of it is that he is praying. He's interesting. 
before you were born, what was Jesus doing? Praying for you. At every moment of your life, what has he been doing? Praying for Praying. you. What will he continue to do all the way to your through death and your resurrection and your glorification is he will be interceding, praying for you. Paul talks about that also very nicely in Romans chapter 8. We don't have time to look at that too. But <laughs> Jesus, the intercessor, okay, he prays for us. And his praying is the foundation for the beginning, the pattern for our praying. Okay, and let's now unpack that idea in Luke 11. So verse 2. So, Lord, teach us to pray. That's the request. And what does Jesus, what does Luke go on? He says, and he, that Jesus said to them, when you pray, say. Now, he assumes that they're praying. He doesn't say, you've got to pray. Okay, you're praying. When you pray, they want to know teaching how to pray. John did. What did John do? You know, he was telling them about the method of praying and how to use psalms and all that kind of stuff. But listen to what Jesus does. When you pray, say, notice it's command, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So teach us to pray. What does Jesus do is to give them a prayer. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's even more wonderful than that. It's not just any prayer. Whose prayer is it? It's the prayer of Jesus. It's the mm -hmm. prayer that Jesus prays. The only one who can address God as Father is the Son, Jesus. Oh, yeah. And he puts us in his shoes. He gives <laughs> us his own prayer. He uses the word our. Yeah. Right well, in. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's an inclusive prayer. He doesn't say, my Father, hello mm -hmm. be your name, give me each day. Forgive me my sins. He doesn't have to pray for forgiveness of sins. And lead me not into temptation, he says, us. So he gives us his prayer, his relationship with the Father, his sonship, and includes us in his prayer and gets us to join with him in praying. And it's interesting what the focus of his prayer is. It's, it's the us. You picked that right. Us. I love that part. <laughs> okay. And that's what makes it absolutely beautiful and helpful. I'll come back to this a little bit just after this. So, but notice what the sequence is. If I had my way, I'd say, God, please make people honor me, respect me, my name, <laughs> my kingdom come. I want to get, regain control of my life and so on. I don't want to just be a victim floating around from here to there. I want but daily bread. Yeah, the next one, I, I want to be forgiven, but I don't want to have to forgive others. 
<laughs> and yeah, I'm, yeah, and I'm happy for you not to lead me into temptation. But particularly the first part is where he gets us to focus on his, the Father's name, and the holiness of that name. I won't unpack all that, but first of all, he gets us to focus on God's will, God's concerns, God's grace, which is summed up in the name of the Father, not just the name God, but the name mm -hmm. Father. Hallowed be your name. Yeah. Because what is it that makes us children of God? What is it that uh, sanctifies us, makes us holy children of God? It's the name of God the Father. That's the holy name. It sanctifies us. And it's his rule, his gracious rule. Um, but Luther says, how does the kingdom of God come? When our heavenly father gives us his Holy Spirit, so that by his grace, we believe his holy word and need a godly life here in time, hereafter in eternity. So it has to do with his will, his concern for us, and his desire to make us his children, but not just any children, but his holy children. So we pray indirectly for our sanctification and the gift of the Holy Spirit there. Okay, so you have the your petitions. There's two here, and then there's three us petitions. Give us each day our daily bread. That's what Jesus does. He gets us to identify with God's will for us. And then he, so he puts us in, Jesus puts us in his own shoes. And then he, what does he do halfway through is he begins to stand in our, our shoes. What are our three basic needs? The need for daily bread. And that's always foremost in our lives. He acts as if. Our need for food and you know, all the support, the physical things in our life are his needs. And then he acts as if, and this is more strange, as if our sins were his sins. And he says, forgive us our sins. Mm -hmm. right? Acts as if our sins were his. Mm -hmm. And he prays for our forgiveness. And what's even more astonishing is as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. That's the hard part. <laughs> to forgive the offences, uh, the abuse that we've suffered at the hands of other people. And then lead us not into temptation. We don't realise, but this is the biggest problem of all. The devil is at work. And he wants to lead us away from God. So we need protection from temptation. So do you get the basic picture? He gets yeah, us to step in his shoes and he, he stepped up, we, he allows us and he steps in our shoes mm -hmm. and he gives us his own prayer, his prayer, so that we can join him in prayer. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate this way of looking at it, because it makes the hardest part, as you rightly pointed out, as we forgive those who forgive, yeah. or, or, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. Yes. It's that part seems so hard. And yet, if Jesus is included in the we forgive part, or it's we, then suddenly uh, it doesn't seem so daunting. <laughs> and remember what one of the prayers of Jesus on the cross was Father, yes, forgive them, but well, they don't know mm -hmm. what they're doing. Yeah. So he does what we find impossible to do. Mm. And, uh, okay, there's so much there about that impossibility. And it's not just non-Christians. Christians are worse in keeping a record of wrongdoing and taking offense and being unable mm. to let go and forgive. We like to be forgiven. We demand to be forgiven. We expect to be forgiven. But mm -hmm. we demand justice for other people, mercy for mm -hmm. ourselves, justice for others. Yes. Now, one of the sample questions that you gave to me was a Lutheran rosary. Here we have a little Lutheran rosary. Well, it's not. It's an early church rosary. How many petitions are there? Five. Mm -hmm. Okay, five fingers. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us daily bread. Forgive us our sins, our trespasses, and lead us not into temptation. Five, you see, and there's a longer list in Matthew's gospel, which includes your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and deliver us from evil or the evil one. So there's seven there, which is the perfect oh, okay. or the complete number. This, it's, it's, it's seven because this is the summary of everything we could possibly pray for from God's point of view. Most of it, we don't recognize, a pagan person would recognize. What's the only thing that a pagan person, or most people would say, yeah, yeah, that's what we pray for. It's the middle one, the uh, yes, daily, daily bread. bread. The yeah. daily bread. And maybe, the e maybe <laughs> deliver us from evil. From evil, but, and, and most... I don't like that translation because oh. it means the obvious sense is deliver us. It's from the evil, not evil. Well, and hmm. it's the evil one. If you look at the photo, and who is the evil one? Hmm. So we want deliverance from evil, but no, we don't recognize the involvement of the devil. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Right? That's a big difference. A big yeah. difference. Okay. Very, very profound. And I'd love to spend more time on this and then a Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer. But Luther's done a good job of this in his small catechism and his large catechism, <laughs> yeah. which I commend to you. Just one final thing on that first part. One of the things that Jesus teaches us to do, particularly in, at the end of his ministry in John's gospel, he emphasizes that we need to pray in what? Not just to pray, but to pray to the Father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Pray to the Father, so our prayers need to be addressed, or he, he, he addresses our prayers to the Father, and we pray in his name. Right. Yeah. Do you remember that at all? So, for example, John 14, whatever you ask the Father in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. May I ask, hmm? what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? I know this Lord. wasn't on the list of questions we sent you, but it's burning <laughs> in my brain right now. 
So Good. I have to ask, what is I'm, it? Is I'm it just something we I, I I'm <laughs> leading up okay. You see, there's lots of stuff that you know people don't realize how profound they are. It's the use of formulas. You know, we pray in the name of Jesus. You, you've heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, all the Can time, you, right? People say that even in the USA. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, tacked on to the end of every prayer. And, and just literally everyone is okay. start sermons with it. God, we come in the end of a long prayer. Yeah. <laughs> but look at the way Luther explains it. He says, and it's quite a long quotation, and it'll be in both of those, that book on prayer and Christian spirituality and on page 171 of Grace Upon Grace. Mm. So bear with me as I take you through this, but because this is just simply amazing. And I come back to it and am astonished because it nails it perfectly. Mm. It says, Christ prayed for me, and therefore my prayers are acceptable through his. Acceptable is a weak translation, a pleasing through his, pleasing to God the Father through him. I still remember going through this, and one of my students put up his hand and said, PK, that's the, they used to call me, Pastor Clark, PK, because I gave them things to chew about. That was the joke, weak joke, I'm going to say. Uh, PK chewing <laughs> one. Uh, he said, um, he was a guy, a late vocation, a very practical guy, deeply spiritual person. And he said, but he, the reason why he didn't study for the ministry was that he had suffered from dyslexia, hmm. right? You know what that's like. And, and so hopeless in writing. And I still remember the first essay that I received from him. It was a mess. But then he got a, one of the, the first very basic computers, which had a word spell check on it. So what mm. it did was I corrected his spelling and grammar and punctuation. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, he said to me, I think it's a little bit like the grammar spell check <laughs> on my new computer. It takes imperfect copy uh-huh. and turns out perfect copy. I love it. Isn't that a beautiful yeah. picture? Yes. Yeah. All our prayers are inadequate. But what Jesus mm. takes is something as simple as a sigh or a groan, a tear, and turns it into a perfect prayer. Mm. So that's the starting point. Christ prayed for me, and for this reason, my prayers are acceptable through his prayers. Through him we come to God. In him we must incorporate and envelop all our prayers and all that we do. As St. Paul declares in Romans thirteen fourteen, we must put on Christ, and everything must be done in him if it is to be pleasing to God the Father. And all this is said to Christians for the purpose of giving them boldness and confidence to rely on this man and pray with complete assurance. For we hear that in this way, he unites us with himself, puts us on a par with him, the same level as him, and merges our praying into his and his into ours. 
what greater honour could be paid us than this? That our faith in Christ entitles us to be called his brothers and co-heirs. And that, and here comes the astonishing sentence, just listen to this. And that our prayer is to be like his, that there really is no difference except that our prayers must originate in him. No difference between my prayers and the prayers of Jesus, except that my prayers originate in his prayers and be spoken in his name if they are to be acceptable and if he, he is to bestow this inheritance and glory on us. Aside from this, apart from the fact that our prayers come from Jesus and are united with his praying, he makes us equal to himself in all things, his and our prayer must be one, just as his body is ours and his members are ours. So wow. Jesus, the intercessor who prays not only for us, but prays with us and gives us his own prayer so that we can pray with him. That's what Jesus is getting that. Look, I've done a complicated explanation, but he doesn't give that explanation. He just gives them the prayer. Yeah. That's how you do it. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, that's really simple. I think I can manage that. But then he goes on, and remember the question is, Lord, teach us to pray. And then in typical fashion, Jesus does teach us the same way that, that Zasa did by puzzling us switching the frame of reference, turning things back to front, he says, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Now, I just, just get the picture. It's middle of the night. You're in bed with your husband and kids. And you have somebody who, unexpected visitor, who comes. And, and it's not only the unexpected vis visitor, but uh, listen to what I said. And he will answer from within, don't bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give him anything. I have an unexpected visitor, not a skerrick of food in the house. I have nothing to give. Now, get the situation, you have somebody that makes a demand on, an untimely demand, an impossible demand, and your only response is, go away, I have nothing to give you. Now, I don't know how many times I've felt that as a pastor, mm -hmm. and you're with Christians. As a pastor, people make impossible demands of me, and I feel like saying, I have nothing to set before you. I have nothing to give you. Look for somebody else. But look then what happens. This person with the unexpected visitor has nothing to give to this guest. And in Oriental terms, you are bound, honor bound, to do everything possible for a guest. Mm -hmm. Hungry guest, a homeless guest. So what happens? I tell you, though he will not give him anything because he is his friend, because of friendship, yet because of his 
impudence or shamelessness or daring audacity, <laughs> he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Hmm. Okay? So he has nothing to give, but he has a friend next door. So you get the chain, you get an unexpected mm -hmm. visitor, nothing to give, but you've got a friend next door. You wake that person up and you get the food for your guest from that friend. Mm. Now, how does Jesus teach us to pray? Quite simply, doing two things. One is putting unexpected visitors into our lives. You know, those nuisance people. Yes, I know them. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the harmony of your life and, and the, the work you're doing, the godly work that you're doing. You're set to do the work of God, and then people come and interrupt. And worse than that, they make a demand. And worse than that, they make impossible demands. Okay, You have nothing to give them. But what do you have? A friend next door. And that friend can supply that person who has entered your life, can supply exactly what they need. So one of the things that I do, and both me or I and my wife have been accustomed to do, is to think each day of the people that God... Now, we have a regular prayer list. Now, we pray for mm -hmm. our family, children and grandchildren and friends, okay? And that's quite appropriate. But then to look back over the day and to see the people that God has placed in our lives. And the reason that God has placed them in our lives is that he wants us to do what? Pray, pray. for them. No. <laughs> it's as simple as that. <laughs> so they teach us to pray. So the distractions, if you like, not so much the distractions, but the people who distract us, the distractors, uh, in fact, instruct us in prayer. <laughs> well, that's a helpful paradigm shift. It is. And one that I think will probably bear some real fruit in my prayer life. Mm. Yes. And, you know, the, the thing is that Jesus does it in many ways. And if you don't get it directly, then quite often what happens is that Later on, at night, all of a sudden, you wake. <laughs> yeah. I you find have, actually right now it's early in the morning. Yes. I'm, I, apparently my body's like, oh, you're probably rested enough. You should start thinking. Uh, <laughs> right? um, that's, yeah. called, that's called the witching now. Yeah. <laughs> the time when the devil attacks you. But it's also mm. the time when the Holy Spirit gets at work yeah. in your conscience, yeah. the time when you're spiritually most open, arrested, mm. and prompts you to pray for people that you forgot. Mm. The witching hour, that's a very sweet name for it. I thought it was the <laughs> night sweat hour. <laughs> well, well I'll, I'll resist the temptation to speak about menopause. <laughs> 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 All right. A lot of our ladies listening out there know exactly what it is to be woken up in the middle of the night. But I think to yes. understand that as an opportunity for prayer rather what? than simply to fall back on our, our yeah. basic instinct to just lay there and worry. Worry. Or it's scroll a your wonderful, phone. 
or, or scroll your phone. Switch off in vain. Yeah. Because you know yeah. the- Or just lay there being angry because you're not yeah. asleep. And I need sleep. There's all the good work I've got to do tomorrow. Right. <laughs> but yes, yeah. I love that call to understand the witching hour as yes. a holy time holy. when you can pray for all the things that are keeping you up. Yeah. Mm. And sometimes you might fall back asleep. But you can also understand how the devil is attacking you, mm -hmm. so on. And you'll find, I don't know if most people first discover this, Christians, they wake up and they find that they're praying or a hymn or a song or something like that is singing itself in their mm -hmm. Beautiful. Right, oh? And it's the prompting of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your prompting of the Holy Spirit. We'll come to that shortly, okay? So teach us okay. to pray. Jesus gives number one, well, all of these, the foundation of all of these is that Jesus is the intercessor. He's praying for us. And mm -hmm. he wants to give us the gift of prayer. Not a demand, but praying as his gift to us. Not theoretical help, theological help, practical now comes the third uh, way. How does he teach us to pray? And Jesus goes on and says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Now the passive here, it will be given, means God will give it to you. So ask and God will give it to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. God will open the door. Ask what? Notice Jesus is always puzzling us, teasing us, it's what, and it will give you. Notice it exits the unknown. Seek what, and you'll find what. Knock which door, and it will be open. Note the pulsives there too. Ask, and who will give it to you? Ask, seek, and you will find what from whom, and knock on the door, and who will open it to you? Which door? Then Jesus adds, for everyone who asks, receive, and the one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks it, the door, it will be opened. What door is he speaking of? The door into yeah. God's presence, the Father's presence. Yeah. And get that picture. Yes. Later, you're entering heaven, mm. knocking at the door of heaven. But notice then the stimulus to pray is Jesus' own words. He commands his promises. Remember what Luther says? Jesus himself has commanded us to pray and has promised to hear us. Right? So it's the words of Jesus. To put it more formally, you can go to John chapter 15, verse 7, once again. And this is very practical too. How do we know what to pray for? Okay, we yeah. pray. We can pray the Lord's Prayer, and we have a list of, of things to pray for. God's name, God's kingdom, daily bread, and then forgiveness, temptation. Or if you have the longer listing in Matthew, he adds God's will. That's a hard one. And mm -hmm. then deliver us from the evil one. Mm -hmm. Notice what? Jesus says, and this, this was very important for Luther and the Reformation, but also in the early church. Jesus says, he uses a picture of him being the vine and us being the branches, right? Mm -hmm. And bearing 
fruit, grapes to be made into wine. Okay, that's the picture. He says, if you abide or remain in me and my words remain in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What people hear is the command, ask whatever you wish, and then the promise, it will be done for you. Okay, I want to be yeah. a millionaire. God, or give me a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> oh, God, bring about a change of government. God, give us some other candidate for the next election rather than the two that we have. Yeah, I'm sure people are praying that one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Hashtag real life. So I've noticed that, but it's not unconditional. It says, if you remain in me, that's mm -hmm. the most important one. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's union with Jesus, faith in Jesus, which brings our baptism, our union, our faith in Jesus. So if you remain in me like a branch and a vine, and then, and my words remain or abide in you, then ask. Hmm. So how does Jesus, how does God teach us to pray? By giving us this, the Bible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we pray according to his word. His word is our prayer book. So people often ask me, you know, what, what's the best book on prayer that you have? And I have one, <laughs> two stock answers. One is I get the Bible and say this, <laughs> right? Because the Bible has been given to us, not just to preach, but also to pray. Mm. And that comes first. Before we preach and teach others, we are to use the word of God, the words of Jesus particularly, to show us to pray. And so there's, there's a stock Christian way of praying, which is to recall a command or promise of God. You have it in the classical collect four. Mm -hmm. God from all good, holy, good counsels, just works, the right works to proceed. Give to your servants that peace which the world cannot. Now behind that, there's a number of biblical passages, and then, then you have the request. Mm -hmm. So you have that pattern of praying. And that's been the normal pattern of prayer for Christians. And it was re-emphasized by Luther and the Reformation. And you won't understand our Lutheran heritage unless you see that, particularly our heritage of devotion, because typically your devotions, say my devotions are, have two main parts to it. It's scripture reading meditation and then prayer. So word and prayer, they belong together inseparably. It is amazing how often, because I have a, I follow a similar pattern, how often a scripture I've read will then become the basis of my prayers. You know, reading a, this morning it happened, reading a passage in Job. Yes. And suddenly I'm thanking God that there is a mediator, as Job had complained. Oh, that yeah. there was a mediator. And that that sort of became a springboard for yeah. more prayer. Why don't? But that scripture tells us how. There you have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> mm -hmm. The Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit to inspire us by the Holy Spirit. It's inspired to inspire us and to <laughs> help us, to prompt us to pray. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah. we find that our prayers will go around in the same little uh, self-enclosed circle. True. Right? Mm-hmm. And Definitely uh, all been in a prayer rut, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 And it's so easy to do it. And the devil encourages us to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's to make it easy for us mm-hmm. instead of engaging in the hard work of joining with Jesus in his praying. Now, last of all, and look, there's so much more that we could do with that. It comes another surprise. One of the things that I always told my students to do when they were doing, studying the Bible, reading the Bible, meditating on scripture, but also next to Jesus was to look for the unexpected. Look for the unexpected. I like this. Okay. Just listen to this. Notice that what's the question? Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Okay. He gives them the Lord's Prayer. He gives them unexpected visitor. And then he gives them commands and promises and amazing commands and amazing promises. And then comes last of all, where Jesus has a little parable. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, Well, instead of a fish, give him a serpent, a snake. Who said Jesus didn't have a sense of humor? Or if he (laughs) asked for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give? What would you expect? Good gifts. Good gifts. Or maybe even better gifts. Mm, Yeah. That's if you know a bit of theology, you know, you'd say, okay, well, better gifts. But what does Jesus say? How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit Hmm. to those who ask? The best gift. The best gift. Hmm. And what's it got to do with prayer? I was going to ask that question. (laughs) Right? What's it got to do with prayer? (laughs) The Holy Spirit is the spirit of prayer. You Hmm. see, not only to do things, but we need the power and the guidance and direction to pray. And that alone can be given to us by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And if I've got a prayer problem, it means I've got a Holy Spirit problem because Whoa. I'm relying on my own spirit, my own mind, my own resources, not Jesus and his gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the prompter who prompts us to pray. He's the helper who helps us to pray. And he does that in amazing ways. You know, there's simple ways, like we were talking, you were talking this about your devotion this morning, and Job and the mediator, the Spirit applied that to you mm-hmm. in a very real way, and then it moved you to pray in a certain direction. Okay? And that's very common. Okay, so to pray, and Paul talks about praying in the Spirit, means praying guided by, empowered by, activated by the Holy Spirit. So Luther, in his wonderful, he has wonderful teaching on what makes a theologian, and he has three slogans. He says, there's a ratio prayer, meditatio, tentatio. So prayer, meditation, and temptation. Temptation we've spoken about, meditation on the word. But he says, 
in your devotional life, start off with prayer for the Holy Spirit. Mm. A daily infilling with the Holy Spirit, because the only one who can teach you heavenly wisdom is the Holy Spirit. The only one who can teach you the mysteries of God, the things of God, is your Holy, the Holy Spirit. You won't know how to meditate and you won't know how to pray unless you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So I pray every morning for the gift of the Holy Spirit, not just to help me in my life, but also to help me in my praying and meditating hmm. and everything I do. Pentecostals talk about being filled with the Spirit at one point in your life. Some Lutherans speak about being filled with the Spirit only in baptism. And there's a truth in that, but we never possess the Spirit. We always keep receiving the Spirit. And we need yes. daily infilling. Mm -hmm. with, we need the daily gift of the Holy Spirit. Remember how Luther explains the first, no, the second petition of the Lord's Prayer? When does God's kingdom come? It says, when our Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. so that by his grace, we believe his Holy Word and lead a godly life, here in time and hereafter in eternity. That's the way I remember it. In your version, Catechism, God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we're praying for what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So by the grace of God, we believe his holy word and lead a godly life here in time and there in eternity. I love that the word gives here is present tense. Yes. The Lord gives us his Holy Spirit. It's an Not ongoing. Not he gave us exactly. or he will give us. It's present tense. Yeah. And we, we need that most of all in our context because there's blindness on both sides of a great divide in Christendom, say for Lutherans and Orthodox people like Lutherans, we're scared of the Holy Spirit and teaching the Holy Spirit. And we don't actually are true to our own heritage and what, say, the formula of Concord, our confessions in the New Testament teaches us about the work of the Holy Spirit. Huge teaching. But we okay. overlook that. Why? Because we're afraid of Pentecostalism. And yep. <laughs> and if you haven't spoken in tongues, you haven't what? You haven't Received got the Holy, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yep. Right, I? Mm. We know yeah. that's wrong, mm -hmm. but we get the reason wrong. Mm. Yeah. And both have both those answers have the idea that you only receive the Spirit, that you at one point in your life, and that you possess the Spirit. Huh. It's like saying your marriage is complete on the your wedding day. And you don't keep on receiving the other person and that person's love. Hmm. No, marriage is ongoing reception of the other person. Mm -hmm. Our Christian life is an ongoing reception of gifts from God and particularly the gift of the Holy Spirit. I realize I'm going far too long and there's so much more that I could say, but I want to end with another surprising, amazing teaching about the Holy Spirit and prayer. Yes, There's I'm a wonderful little book by a Norwegian Lutheran called Olaf Hallesby, simply entitled Prayer. Hmm. 
It's one of the best books that I know on prayer. And for a simple reason, what he says is that the most important reality of prayer is our own difficulty in praying. That, that we is unexpected. Are, look, the whole Christian life is full of unexpected things. And he mm -hmm. says, now we have the idea of prayer warriors, people who, unlike me, are champions in prayer. Do you have prayer warriors over in the States? Uh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> I'm not sure I've met one, but I'm sure they exist. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I get accosted by them. <laughs> I'm quite happy to be accosted by them, but I'm happy for anybody to pray, and I'm happy for anybody to pray for me. But he emphasizes that the foundation of prayer, from not from God's point of view, Jesus, so Jesus' point of view, okay, what well, the basis of that is why do we pray in order to receive God's gifts? We pray in order to receive gifts from God. God gives us his gifts by praying for them. And if we want to know what the gifts are, we look at the Bible, we look at his word, and that gives us some idea of what God wants to give us, what the will of God is for us in prayer. Now, he emphasizes that the from the human point of view, I would have expected him because he's fairly much on the pious end of the Lutheran spectrum, for him to emphasize faith, but he emphasizes weakness. Hmm. God's gives our weakness. Now, where does he get it from? And hmm. I, I, you know, if you're interested, this book is, is a treasure. I've given dozens of this these away to people who had difficulty in prayer. Hmm. Now, Notice that, the, remember then I said that the starting point of Christian prayer is that Jesus intercedes for us. Mm -hmm. Now, there's another level to it, which is not only that Jesus intercedes for us, but who intercedes in us? The Holy the Spirit. Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Listen the way it works, according to Paul. Paul is talking about our life by faith, you know, we live by hope, not sight, and we look for the resurrection of bodies and our heavenly inheritance as heirs of God. We don't see what we hope for. What we believe in is what's invisible. And then he says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, mm -hmm. helps us, comes to our aid assistance in our weakness. Now, what weakness? For we do not know what to pray mm -hmm. for as we ought. Now, there's two ways of translating that. We do not do not know what to pray for, and we don't know how we should pray. Why not both? And we do not know. You no, know, we can't pray. No, so it's weakness. Weakness in praying. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the weakness in praying is we don't know what to pray for and how to pray. Yep. Okay. So that's the negative side. That's the weakness he's talking about. Not my physical weakness as an old man becoming increasingly senile and decrepit. No, but spiritual weakness. And then comes the astonishing thing. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Hmm. Intercedes for us. How? 
with groanings too deep for words. Mm -hmm. Can be sighs, but that's too weak. Okay, that's look, it's groaning too deep for words. And when do you groan? When you're in pain. When you're in pain, an intolerable pain. Mm -hmm. But also when you're at the end of your tether in any way. Mm -hmm. You can't reach the end of your resources. It's when you are oppressed, when you are, have, I feel like, rather a, a victim rather than an agent. Hmm. When things are just too hard and you feel like dropping the bundle or you've dropping, you're dropping the bundle. Groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart, which is God, God the Father searches, he knows what's going on inside me. He who searches the heart knows what is the mind, the purpose, the will of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit intercedes for us according to God's will, and God's will and power is made perfect in weakness, not in our victories, mm -hmm. but our defeat, our failures, all those kinds of things. This is followed by another promise, for we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. We lift that out of context and don't see it in connection True. with Holy Spirit and mm -hmm. our weakness. Think of Zasra again. Uh, I've got a problem. He says, good. <laughs> I've got a prayer problem. Good. Because that then gives room for God to intervene and not, not just Jesus to intervene with the gift of prayer, but the Holy Spirit to turn us into praying people, praying from our hearts deep inside us. Mm -hmm. Okay, look, I'd better stop there. I could. Yeah, we came full circle. You brought us back to us. It was beautiful. It was the full package. The symmetry is lovely. Yes. Yes. Well, it's not by design. It's because of wonderful responses and guidance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'll take credit for any of minimal this today. responses today. <laughs> I feel I felt like Wait. I was sitting back at the kitchen table with my grandfather again. Yes. And hearing and he needed so few promptings and it was a blessing. <laughs> Wonderful. Right. Yes. A, a wuffly old man, eh? <laughs> well, he he wandered a little bit, it's true, but I loved the journey with him. <laughs> perhaps yes. it was him, perhaps it was the Holy Spirit. Uh -huh. Exactly. It was. Exactly. It was. <laughs> Where can we find your books, writings, resources, anything from you, John? Yeah, I have a website. John Docklinic Theological Resources, just the, the ones that are, are most relevant to what we've been dealing with. There's two mm -hmm. things that have been published by Concordia. One is the book on prayer, most directly, in Christian spirituality series. The other one is Grace Upon Grace. Mm -hmm. And also, not directly, but it does touch on this in some way, is the theology of the body. Because we don't just pray with our minds or hearts, 
we pray with our whole being, our bodies. Mm-hmm. Also, we pray with our bodies. Jesus became a human being, took on a human body. He didn't assume a human mind or a human soul, whatever that is, but his human mind in order to pray for us. What did he take? A human body. Mm-hmm. And so, Prayer is as much physical as it is mental. Mm-hmm. It engages the whole of us. It's physical, it's mental, it's emotional. It engages the whole person. And I like that hymn of Montgomery's because it touches on that wide range of things. It's, it's not a complete picture, but it's, it's much fuller than most others. If I can just give you a teaser to end with. Oh, okay. You know the golden rule? Yes. What is the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Okay, good. And that's fairly easy to apply. means that, okay, today you will do for other people what you would want them to do to you. So you want them to be kind, so you're kind. You want them to forgive you. Do you know how Jesus applies this in the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 7? I do, do others- but I'd like you to say it. <laughs> <laughs> he connects it with praying for them. Mm-hmm. Not lodging them, but praying for them. Right. As a Christian, okay, you can take this ethically, do unto others as you would do to you. Ethically, morally, okay, that's the mm-hmm. way we usually take it. And that's part of Jesus' teaching, but it's also spiritual. What is it that we as Christians need, whether we realize it or not, need most of all from our fellow Christians? Do we need them to criticize us, to judge us, all those things, or even to affirm us? What we need is their prayers. Yeah. Yeah. Let me leave it there. This has been wonderful. Honestly, I wish we had like six more hours to just keep talking. It would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Stop the recording while I have the chance. (laughs) It has really been wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us on the Ladies Lounge. It has been really wonderful. I think uh, other ladies are going to get a lot out of this as I... I'm pretty sure the three of us have too. So we will, of course, put links to all of the things that we've referenced. There's a lot of references in this episode. So many links. To (laughs) resources. We will for sure put those in the show notes for you ladies so that you are able to find all of those resources. Please share your comments with us on this episode. We packed a lot in here. So share those comments with us in our Facebook group, the Lutheran Ladies Lounge on Facebook and also on our Instagram page. You can comment there throughout the rest of this week. We'll post some prompts there at Lutheran Ladies Lounge on Instagram as well. You can find all of our episodes at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app or on the KFUO radio app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. And I'm Rachel.
Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us too. If you love the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast, consider financially supporting our producer, KFUO Radio, so we can keep doing what we do. Find out how at kfuo.org slash give.